What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm your host, Jackson Filio, joined again by Chris Gehring of WashingtonWizards.com. We've got an interview today with former Wizard and current NBC Sports Washington analyst Jason Smith, and we'll preview this weekend's action against Atlanta and Miami. But let's start recapping the Sacramento-Portland back-to-back over the last couple nights. The Wizards went 0-2 in those games. Always tough to, to close a road trip of that length. They were out there for four games. Tough to close it with a back-to-back of that nature. The Sacramento game ended up being really exciting despite a, a pretty ugly first half for the Wizards. The Wizards came out of halftime trailing by 27 and then outscored Sacramento 46-19 to in the third quarter. Uh, to, to run through a couple notes historically on on what that was. It, it started with a 19-0 run that took just over three minutes of game time. The Wizards were the first team since 2002 to erase a 27-point deficit in a single quarter. 46 points was a new season high for points in a single quarter. And it came from a little bit of everyone. Five players scored more than five points. Brad led the team in scoring, no surprise, but it was only 12 points. It's not like it was one of those you know, 20-point quarters that we've seen out of Brad a few times this season. Um, and the, the Kings pull away in the fourth. It feels like the Wizards used up a lot of their energy there for that third quarter comeback as a whole, and they just shot the lights out down the stretch. But that third quarter was – it's a shame it couldn't come in a, in a win. That would have been really fun. But that was one of the more fun moments of the season, I think. Yeah, it's, it definitely was. I think that, you know, when you start that poorly, there's always there's always a shot of energy somewhere that gets you – you know somewhat close maybe it's like okay we're back within 12 13 get it to 10 but to see them come all the way back in that game i thought was really impressive it it, of course they want to win games they're they're in a playoff hunt they want these are important games they're games against teams that are also in a playoff hunt which makes them inherently hard but when you look at the rest of the wizard schedule when you try to find teams that are below 500 things like that these two games, we'll talk about Portland a little bit in a second, but those two games are the ones that you want to get. So obviously it's frustrating, but that rally was really, really impressive. And I again, we keep talking about it, but it's an example of what happens when you get stops, when you create that energy. And it, this team has the firepower to really make it count when they get defensive stops. And so it's just finding ways, it's finding ways to sustain that. And I know that that part is frustrating for them, but... Yeah, it was, it was it was incredible to watch and and uh, certainly came closer did set some records. Yeah, it kind of a microcosm of the season really. The Wizards got off to a slow start this year, but even in the hole that they're in in the standings, they have just refused to roll over. And I mean, it was a tough road trip and you know, the, the the hot streak that was about a week ago has faded off a little bit. But this Wizards team has continued to show fight throughout the season, mm-hmm. led by Bradley Beal, who was, he was funny post game in that Sacramento game referenced, but would not be specific about whatever Scott Brooks said during the halftime speech. <laughs> I don't I don't think we'll ever truly know, but uh, whatever it was, it worked, and that that actually turned into a, a very entertaining game. Uh, and then Wednesday night, the road trip closes in Portland and tough to say whether it was just a matter of being on the back end of a back-to-back closing a road trip but after a competitive first half the Blazers kind of pulled away in the third quarter the Wizards just just didn't have it though it it wasn't for lack of success by Davis Bertans who continued to stay hot from beyond the arc he and Brad have really been on a, a run together recently they've played well when they're both 
on the court. Not Brad's best night from a shooting perspective, but continues to put up the numbers. Now 20 straight with 25-plus points. He finished with 29-6-6 six, and six against Portland. What, what did you see from that one, Chris? Yeah, they, they battled in this game despite, obviously, it's a, it's a long trip. Back-to-backs are difficult. We got, we, we'll talk to Jason Smith about that, and he kind of talks about why they're hard. I think everybody there, – there are obvious reasons, but it, it was an interesting answer from him, so stay tuned to hear from him about that. But, yeah, we, we know that, that back-to-backs are always hard. We know they're even harder when they're closing out a trip. And um, Damian Lillard comes back in this game. He was really strong in the first half when he, when he got, got, in it, got into it. He's one of those players where – and I think it was mentioned on the broadcast where – it's it's wild how you expect a little bit of like finding your rhythm things like that Damian Lillard is one of those players where it's I mean he can find his rhythm real quick he's perpetually he, in rhythm yeah and he's he's just a confident player we saw CJ McCollum continue to play very well and uh, we we knew that that would be a difficult game for all the reasons especially if Lillard came back and he did it made it hard on the Wizards so now they they don't have long to think about it though. I mean, they only have one off day between this trip and coming back home, and that in itself is difficult. But in terms of having a short memory, and we've heard players talk about this before too, it's it can be really helpful to just really get back out there, have an off day to get back, get some rest, and they're right back at it with an important home game this Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Start of a, a short little homestand here at Capital One Arena, but Friday night against the Hawks it's an Atlanta team that is with respect to how they started the year and have played for the most part, they've been pretty good since the all-star break. They're four and three, despite a pretty tough schedule. Those four wins have come against Miami, Dallas, Brooklyn, and and Portland, uh, you know, Portland, not currently in the playoffs, but as we saw Wednesday, a solid team. And, you know, when you're the Atlanta Hawks, who's, you know, struggling to get to, to 20 wins this season, it's, it's an impressive win. Um, We've remiss to not mention the fact that they are coming off a 39-point loss to to Memphis. You, those, that they struggle defensively, much like the Wizards have this year. They can put up a, a, a ton of points, and we we saw that in one of the matchups this season between the the Hawks and the Wizards. But when you when you don't defend, you leave yourself open to some performances like that one against Memphis. Yeah, this is a game where we we've talked ad nauseum about the Wizards' defense. If they can bring that effort and disrupt Atlanta, they're have they're going to have a really really good chance to win this game. Um, regardless of all the travel, being exhausted after getting back from the West Coast, uh, they know that. And anytime you can find a way to disrupt a team that relies heavily on just having space, having rhythm, have and just getting volumes of shots up like the Hawks love to do and like Trey Young loves to do as their point guard that that's really really gonna going to be critical in this game and I think the Grizzlies is a perfect example the Grizzlies are a team that they still have that grit and grind mentality they play like that they play like they want to lock you down on defense first and then that's how they're going to win games and when the Hawks don't have it and when they don't have that rhythm uh, they're a very beatable team, and nobody will know that more than Coach Brooks, Bradley Beal, um, and the rest of the team. It's going to be that's the key to this to winning this game on Friday. Yeah, and on rhythm and rest, the Hawks actually haven't played since Monday. That that Memphis game <laughs> yeah. was quite a few days ago. So we'll yeah. see. You would th- you know you mentioned the, the Wizards have a day off and can kind of get their legs back under them, but we'll see if if any of that road trip still lingers while the Hawks will be very very fresh. But in terms of slowing them down in one of the matchups against the Hawks this year, the Wizards were actually able to do that. Yeah. Um, the team split the two prior matchups so far this season, but in the Wizards' win, it was 111-101, which 
you know, in today's day and age, is extremely low scoring, especially yeah, in a game between. Effort, yeah, yeah, especially in a game between the Hawks and the the <laughs> no, Wizards kidding. these days. Yeah. Um, that game was actually without Bradley Beal, so that may have accounted for the Wizards' lower point total. But Washington held Trey Young to just 19 points. He really struggled that night. I think Gary Payton the second spent a lot of time on him, if I remember correctly, and did a great job. But earlier in the season, no, I'm sorry, in the the second matchup of the season between Atlanta and Washington, that that Hawks offense that we mentioned, when they come and when they're in the rhythm, they exploded 152 points. You know, Trey Young made up for that. We'll call it mediocre performance in the first game with <laughs> yeah. 45, 14, and six. Uh, when he's on, they're on, and they're tough to tough to stop. But since the All Star break, he's actually gotten a little bit of help. Uh, you know, John Collins averaging twenty three and nine, and Cam Reddish who had a tough first half to the season has been pretty good, averaging over fifteen points a game and shooting around forty six percent from the field. So if they can bring it uh, with a few different guys, they're they're tough to stop. I think as has been the case with you know this matchup so far this season it's going to come down to who can get a few stops down the stretch and who's going to bring it on the defensive end um, we'll transition to Sunday night the Wizards host the Miami Heat who like the Hawks split the season series so far in uh, a couple of very very different matchups if you remember uh, one of the weirder games of the season I think is probably the only way to put that's it that's one and, way to put it yeah, yeah. Um, that, that Wizards win over the Heat was behind 82 combined points from Jordan McRae, Garrison Matthews, and Jan Mahinmi. All three of them scored over 25 points uh, in, in what was actually a pretty dominant Wizards win. But it's a good Heat team. It's a it's a really good balanced Heat team. They've got five guys averaging 15 points or more since the All-Star break uh, and can throw a lot of different looks at you. Yeah, they have four straight wins um, heading into play when, when we tape this on Thursday with some impressive ones, Mavericks, Nets, Bucks. Uh, Magic or a playoff team. So the, the Miami Heat are ready for probably a, a really interesting playoff run. And the, you look at all the pieces that they've been able to assemble all the way from Jimmy Butler, the, the, the usual suspects, Jimmy Butler. We've watched Goran Dragic for years be really effective. Um, this year coming almost exclusively off the bench, I believe. So they have depth now. Bam out of bio has been a revelation for them. Um, and, you know, they've, they've done so well finding guys – on the margins that have been able to contribute right away. Kendrick Nunn, uh, Duncan Robinson, their draft pick, Tyler Harrow has been out, outstanding. These are all guys that, du- that average in double figures. I mean, it's, they can, they attack you from a lot of different, a lot of different angles. Coach Spolstra is one of the best in the NBA. It's a difficult test and they will not, I don't think a, a, a team led by guys like Jimmy Butler are going to forget a game like the one that they had the last time that they played the Wizards. So, it's a tough test, no question about it, and um, but a fun one, a fun one to have at home. It's always fun to play the Heat, and we'll we'll see what the Wizards can muster up after they get back. They have a, another off day, obviously, before playing this game, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and we talk about Heat culture. There, there's some guys there that you know you know are gonna bring it over the course of an entire season. Jimmy Butler is a star in this league. Bam Adebayo is drafted very high and had a lot of promise and is you know that promise is manifesting Gordon Dragic is a proven veteran but it's those those diamond in the rough guys like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson that it's one thing to to find them and for them to contribute early on in the season but when you see them sustain like this into March and you know this team is going to have a playoff run we'll see if they're able to do the same when playoff basketball rolls around and they have to play in seven game series and things like that but um, credit to them for you know finding guys and acclimating them enough that they're able to make an impact for 
the course of an entire season. That, yeah. that team does. They do the little things. They get to the free throw line. They rebound. They play defense. Um, and in, in today's NBA, where so many of the great teams are built around multiple superstars, I don't know. You can argue over who and where the stars rank on this very, very interesting deep Miami roster, but they're not built like a lot of the other great teams no question. In, in the league, and they, they hang with them all season. So, All right, Wizards fans, let's get to the interview with Jason Smith. All right, Wizards fans, we've now got Jason Smith with us here, former Wizard, current NBC Sports Washington analyst. Jason, thanks for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I mentioned NBC Sports Washington analysts this season. I think Wizards fans have enjoyed getting to see you and hear you share your insight on the game from the years that you spent in the league and around the team. Have you seen the game differently this season from this perspective? You know, it's kind of like you're injured and they put you on TV to kind of get your expertise. But at the same point, I am coming from the aspect like, gosh darn, I really want to be out there. But you know what? It's actually been really, really nice. Um, I get to pick and choose a couple games here and there, see if I like doing the broadcasting or announcing. And then you know what? My body is not screaming at me saying, oh my gosh, my knees hurt. Oh, my back hurts. Oh gosh, who hit me in my forearm the other night? Like, (laughs) I don't have those. I wake up in the morning, I'm refreshed, I'm ready to go, I got kiddos jumping all over me with my daughter who's five and my son who's two, so it's it's been nice to kind of transform into dad mode. When we when we had, John was on the broadcast with, uh, with Justin and I think Drew um, earlier in the season, and just watching him, he was on for like a quarter, and watching like the picture in picture of him watching the game and trying to be like, oh wait, I have the broadcaster voice on now. Like, I have to be a little more, like, buttoned up. I can't just, like, react to be like, oh, like, whatever he sees in the moment. Is it, has it been weird to have to, like, synthesize those thoughts? Because we sit up there on the purge with you as well, and, like, you still, you still have the view as a player where you're just constantly, like, you're constantly taking in the game, analyzing information, having thoughts. Is it weird to have to put it all together for, like, a minute-long, like, TV hit? You know, it's actually not too bad. Uh, that's that's the nice part about doing pregame and postgame is that I can kind of take that data in that I see throughout the game or before the game and kind of analyze it and then give my little spiel before and after. But during the game, I've yet to do that. So that's been kind of my thing. When I'm watching the game, I still have my oohs and ah moments. <laughs> yep. and I get real entangled with the game, as you guys have probably seen me do. But it's just one of those things that I've always been – in the game i've always been paying attention and figuring out what the defensive concepts are and who's hot who's not and who's having a struggling shooting night and and it's all those little details that you kind of take in you analyze and then you just kind of spit the information back out to the to the public so let's analyze a little bit bradley beal has obviously taken a, a pretty massive leap this season he, he showed signs of it obviously in the early stage of his career and a lot of it is because of the volume that he's getting the opportunities whether it's just shots or general usage rate but he's he's taken a pretty profound leap this season in the time that you spent around the team and around brad beyond just you know expected next steps for a player to take did you see a a progression like this coming well you know he has always had that potential to burst out on the scene i think it's been a test to say hey john's been hurt the last couple years i gotta do more hey we don't have auto porter anymore i gotta do more hey, we don't have Martian Gortat down low. I got to do more. 
it has been one of those things you can be like, man, this is a lot to put on one guy's shoulders, but he has embraced it. I think he had meetings with the front office this summer to kind of figure out, hey, what is, what is the stuff, what, is, what are the next steps moving forward? And I think he has been excited. And it's been a hard year, obviously, to go through the losing stretch and not having John in the lineup to kind of help him lighten the load. But I think Brad has taken on the challenge, embraced it, and just ran with it. I think early on in the season, he was doing a little bit too much to try and get his teammates involved, but that shows that he has trust in his teammates and that he wants to get his teammates involved in the game. I think moving forward, it's only going to get better. Getting John back, figuring, I think Coach Brooks is figuring out who's going to be on this team going into this playoff push, but also what what's this team going to look like next year and years to come? So I think that's one thing that Brad's really been focused on is, hey, I'm going to do me. <laughs> I'm absolutely, I wouldn't say infuriated, but he's not happy that he didn't make the All-Star team this year. And I think he's come out with a vengeance post-All-Star break to say, hey, you guys messed up. <laughs> <laughs> no question about that. And I... I I know that every time he talks about it, I mean, he said, of course, like he he uh, he has the ultimate confidence in himself always. Um, but the being coy about like no, like I'm just I'm just playing like I usually do, being aggressive like I usually am. Um, I think we've noticed that you know he's he's definitely upped that intensity a little bit. And you know what? If you <laughs> haven't seen that up in intensity, you're not watching the right game. Right. I mean, the man is averaging almost 36 in the month of. February so he's been on a absolute tear it's been amazing to watch and it's been really fun to watch to be honest with you how, how important is that for there are young guys on this team that that Tommy Shepard and coach Brooks I'm sure are hoping that they can lean on more in the future Jerome Robinson fits that profile as far as guys who when they see that from Brad every night how important is that in early in a career to have those guys in the locker room that you know, he relates to teammates really well as a leader, but also just how he conducts himself on the floor on the floor every night. And that's a great example of he leads by example. He's going to go out there and he's going to give you his all. Um, obviously, defenses are going to try and key up and match up on him to take what he does well away. But when you get John back next year, when you add other pieces around the team, obviously, no team is the same any given year. So I think that Tommy Shepard is going to go out this offseason. He's going to build a team around Brad, around John, and then any other piece that they feel that they need. I think moving forward, though, it's going to be fun and exciting to see how they finish the season off, see if they can make a playoff push and get into the postseason. And then, you know what? Next year is going to be a great opportunity for them to, to see what they can they can do. So the team's coming off a back-to-back in Sacramento in Portland the last couple days. Dropped both, but... It, that first one against Sacramento, it was a crazy 27-point comeback in the third quarter. Used, You would have to think a ton of that team's energy. Kind of ran out a little bit in the fourth quarter. And then a similar look uh, Wednesday night against Portland. They hung in Portland. It was very competitive in the first half. And then Portland just kind of pulled away there in the second. Whether or not those games specifically were because of tired legs or travel or anything like that, we don't know for sure. But just from a player's perspective, in terms of preparing for and going through a back-to-back what is that like because the Wizards have a, a ton more four more in in the little bit of the season that is left including in mid-March two in the same week which is pretty hard to fathom but from your guys perspective when you're when you're playing and preparing for that stuff what's it like 
back-to-backs are never fun, never easy. Uh, you're constantly tired, and especially with a guy like Brad or any guy who's playing major minutes and playing very efficiently in those major minutes, it's tough. Any given night on just one game, let alone a back-to-back, you're tired from the night before. You're coming in. You might get in late the night before, and it's you, you may get six, seven hours, but then you have to wake up for a breakfast meeting, try and get yourself conscious to what city am I in? Where am I at? Who are we playing? Who are the matchups tonight? And I, I think the, the pros who really do that well are those guys that show up every night, and Brad is obviously one of those guys. He, he prepares mentally. He makes sure he gets his rest. He takes care of his body in the training room. He, he does it all right. And I think that just goes to attest how well he's performed on the court. So for him and for any guy in the NBA going on back-to-backs, I mean, as a a fan watching, you're like, oh, these guys guys get paid millions of dollars to go out here and do this. As a player, it's all about mental toughness. You might be talented and everything, but when you have to factor in travel and getting in late and making sure you have the same diet on hotel food, it can, it can mess with the player, and that's where you see kind of those drop-offs. But those players who are good and true professionals really know how to deal with it and, and mold themselves and, and take advantage of every opportunity that they have at hand. I mean, with the training staff, they try to make sure that the nutrition is right. They try to make sure that the bodies are right. On every given night, you have to go out there and perform. And I think that the training staff, the coaching staff, and the players all really kind of work together to make sure that they're at their best, really, for any given night regardless if you're on the west coast or the east coast one of those guys that's had to go through that for the first time this year is is Rui and and in a rookie season it barely gets talked about in the big like in the big discussions of getting used to all of those things it's a schedule that's totally unlike the college season Um, there are so many things that are different it's way more intense but he has been he's been remarkably consistent for a rookie and I, I was just curious What's, what's something that you've seen him display that's maybe a little bit ahead of his years and, and maybe something that he can add when we're talking about, you know, whenever we look back at the season as a whole, what's something that can really help his game going forward and help this team when you, when you think about playing with Brad and all those guys? You know what? I feel bad because I completely haven't even mentioned Rui. He's been such a big part of this team and how well he's done. Uh, We've been giving Brad so much love. Rui deserves a little bit of love for his consistency, one, his ability to come in and and attack the game, two. I mean, he is at a tough position where he's matching up with some of the biggest and best stars in this league. And for him, I think his next step and his next development is to become a more defensive-minded player. I mean, look. Everybody on this team has showed they can score the ball. I think Coach Brooks, moving forward and moving into next year, is going to be all about the defensive mindset of, hey, we've shown that we're the top in the league at scoring the ball on any given night. Let's show teams, hey, we're not going to let you score on us now. And I think once they do that, that could be the transition from fighting for a playoff spot to fighting for positioning in the playoff standings. And that's one of the big things for Rui is he is a young player. He can learn from all the coaching staff. I mean, you already have the offensive schemes down pretty well. It's just learning the defensive concepts of the league and then applying them on the court in practice working on it when you're doing your drills. I think that's just the biggest thing for him. He's got the physical attributes, and a lot of people compare him to Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's one of the best defenders in the league. He's got the claw, obviously. (laughs) Rui has the same attributes. He's a big body. He's got big hands. He's athletic enough to do 
all the intangible things on defense. It's just a matter of going out there and doing it. And I think that's going to be his next transition next year. And how, how important is that study, just getting to know players? Like, last night watching him defend and kind of, like, in real time adjust to playing against Carmelo Anthony, I thought was such a good example of guys where, like, when you watch Carmelo Anthony play and you've watched him for a really long time, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm watching Carmelo Anthony. This is what he does. He gets the ball. He's isolated. He takes guys on one-on-one, takes jump shots. And I'm sure that those are things that Rui, obviously, you those are honest guy report. You know those things about him. But how important are just those reps, like getting 20 minutes that I'm guarding Carmelo Anthony tonight and I'm just going to soak it all in and try to get better every single possession that i got to go against him? It's exactly what you just said. He, You can watch film on an individual player as much as you want, but until you actually go out there and go against the competition, real time, real speed, it's like, man, I, I know I saw it on video and I know I can stop it, but, gee, he is fast. He can shoot the ball quick. He's stronger than I thought he was. It's, it's one of those things for him, the reps against Carmelo Anthony, actually with Carmelo Anthony being one of his favorite players growing up, mm-hmm. That is one of those things that you kind of take, and you might have an awe moment, but at the same point, you want to have that competitive spirit, like, oh, this guy's not scoring on me. This is not happening. He will take that, and he will use that. And like you said, soaking up that knowledge of what does he do, how does he do it, and how does he do it so well? Those are those things that he's going to learn, and they're kind of invaluable. You can watch as much film as you want, but until you actually go through it as a player, that's, that's when you really learn those things that are very, very valuable on the court. Did you have a moment or an opponent early in your career or in your rookie season where you had watched a guy for years and you finally get out on the court and have a chance to defend him and it's like, oh, oh, no, this guy is... <laughs> Man, Dirk Nowitzki was my guy. I watched him through and through for a long time. He played before me. He almost played after me. We both kind of stopped the senior, thank goodness, because he was 21 years in. But <laughs> when I got on the court first with him... I picked up three fouls quick as can be just because I was like, oh man, I'm more athletic, I'm stronger, I can push him around. He was smarter than me. He used his smarts so well, and he, he knew he wasn't more athletic than me. He knew he could shoot better than me. He, it was just one of those things that he just outsmarted me. It's a, it's a chess game, not checkers. I was playing checkers, he was playing chess, and he got me out of the game real quick. But it was a learning moment. I learned. I came back year after year, and I learned more and more and more as, as I went on throughout my career. But it was fun to watch him and how he's progressed and his amazing career, and that's that's one of those players that I just enjoyed watching. Yeah, no doubt. And to circle it back to Rui, I think that's one thing he gets a lot of credit for, is how, how quickly he's picking these things up, how quickly he's absorbing these learning lessons, like the one you mentioned against Dirk, and just approaching each of these games with a confidence and a poise. He hasn't had a lot of ruts this season. He missed some time due to injury. But none of it has just been like, oh, man, where has Rui been tonight? Yeah. Like, we, he, he makes an impact every night. Not all of them are going to be 25-point double-doubles or something like that, but he's, he's very, very consistent and very poised. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with that. He's, he's done a really good job this year, and we look forward to having him healthy and, and going years to come. So it's, it's going to be really fun to watch him progress as his career moves on. So let's go league-wide for a little bit to get you out of here. Um, in those nights when you're not around Capital One Arena and covering the Wizards, who are who are some of the teams you're keeping your eye on most this year? You know, I've actually been uh, keeping an eye on Milwaukee. It was the team I got traded to from D.C. Uh, keep an eye on Milwaukee. Obviously, LeBron and the Lakers are going out there and dominating on any given night. It's, it's just fun to watch the teams that are on the top of the league because they just go out there and they, they dominate. 
Uh, Milwaukee has always been that, well, not always, but in the last couple seasons, they since Buttonholzer got there, they have been a dominating, fierce team to go against. And I want to see, and I want to watch them, how they go into the playoffs, because they secured the playoff spot quicker than anybody has. I want to see what they do towards the end of the season. Are they trying to get guys comfortable out there with the, having such a deep lineup? Are they going to try and give guys so so-called rest or <laughs> load management do I dare say but it's, it's fun to watch those teams and see how they uh, adapt to the playoff atmosphere and, and what's looming ahead yeah I mean it's it, to talk on Milwaukee specifically it's been interesting to see how they've actually managed to get some of that rest in season they're beating teams so badly that there are a lot of instances where Giannis and Chris Middleton and you know the other top players on the roster are only playing a few minutes in the fourth quarter. We'll see if that continues. If they're able to just employ that strategy, is just beat the breaks off teams and get your rest in the fourth quarter, or if they start to switch it up a little bit. But they've they've extended a, a heck of a lead in the Eastern Conference, and I think those teams just below them, a lot of which the Wizards are going to get a chance to see over the last month of the season. That that's the really really interesting race. Where does home court come into play? Whether it's Philadelphia, Boston, Miami. Toronto, those the the race for two through five in the seating, you know, in that group, Indiana, I should say, I don't want to forget them. They've been fantastic this year. That that is going to be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch of the season. What do you what do you see out of that group that that jumps out to you? You know, I obviously see Milwaukee. The other dangerous team that everybody's just kind of written off is Toronto. Nobody thinks that they can do anything. However, they have had one of their best seasons to date so far. I think Philly had their chance last season. I think they have some room for improvement and they need to get back onto the same page. And they have a lot of injuries on their team as well with Embiid and with Simmons. So for them to kind of get into the playoffs, they need to be healthy to have an effective chance. I think Indiana's one of those dark horses. They're they're that team that, oh man, they're good, but how good really are they? I mean, Sabonis has stepped up. Can they get Victor Oladipo back into the the all-star form that he was post injury i don't know it's it's a lot of fun things and a lot of dynamics that we're gonna we're gonna have to see in the playoffs be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch of the season we'll get you out of here on that one jason thanks so much for taking the time to join us today thanks jason oh, no problem i feel bad i was kind of talking your ears off but uh great content i love it, it was yeah, podcast awesome. that's what it's for you guys having me on yeah Absolutely, that's the point. they need to hear from you and they don't need to hear from us that's that's the whole point <laughs> <laughs> thanks jason yep thank you All right, Wizards fans, that will do it for us today. As we mentioned, the Wizards are at home Friday night at 7 against the Atlanta Hawks. That will be Pride Night. There will be a halftime performance from Riley Knox. Fans interested in attending can visit WashingtonWizards.com to purchase a Pride Night ticket package, which includes a limited edition Love and Basketball t-shirt and flag, as well as access to a post-game on-court dance party. Uh, That night will also feature uh, the giveaway to the first 10,000 fans, a Wizards-branded fanny pack. Uh, and Sunday against the Heat, another giveaway, a Wizards-branded Rubik's Cube to the first 5,000 fans. And that's, of course, just a continuation of a bunch of the really, really cool giveaways that we've done as part of the Wizards Weekends theme all season. Uh, fans can visit WashingtonWizards.com weekends for a full giveaway schedule that includes beer steins on German Heritage Night, Davis Breton socks, and a, a trio of bobbleheads down the last few weeks of the season. All right, Wizards fans, we will check in again next week.